Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Been a, it's been a big weekend. I don't know if you knew that. It's been pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Um, with the grandparenting conference uh, Thursday, Friday, how many of you were at that? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, I heard some pretty incredible things about that. Uh, uh, this morning we have baby dedications. And, I mean, probably the biggest thing of the weekend was Friday was uh, the beginning of the Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, what I'm most excited about. Um, I, I uh, on Friday, or uh, last night, I watched one of the, uh, I think it was the um, uh, Christmas Ghost of Boyfriend Past or something like that, um, mainly because I love my wife. Um, I did do some pretty hardcore multitasking because I don't think, you don't really have to pay attention to those movies to know what's going on, because once you've seen one, you've seen most of them. Um, but I know that brings great joy to some of you, so um, hopefully we can talk about your entertainment desires later. Uh, anyway, um, you know, we are, uh, we are in the last two verses of, of James, and um, we're, we're almost not quite done with the book of James yet, because if you'll remember when we began, we actually uh, didn't go through the entire first chapter. We're going to jump back to that. Kyle and I are going to be um, up here next week going back to the first chapter of James. But really, what, what we've seen so far is, is, is James giving us a picture of what it looks like to be faithful to Jesus both in belief and action. And it's a pretty hard line that is drawn in the book of James. And I think if you can get through the book of James kind of unscathed, then uh, I think either you're Jesus or you're just not being honest with yourself. (laughs) Uh, Because because there is a lot there. And, And so really, one of the things that James really really drills down is how we live will deeply impact our intimacy with Jesus. The daily choices we make, the way we, the way we interact with one another, um, the way we think about things. Um, and so, so next week, we'll kind of come back to the first chapter. But um, I would ask this, if, if any of you, um, I'd love to hear from you. If, you. if you, sometime this week, if you kind of are, are sitting there and saying, man, there's some things that God really did. God really spoke to me through through our study of James, and if you're kind of, if you're kind of like, and I can, I can express that pretty easily, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd, if you'd even email me, that would be awesome. I would love to hear what God is doing in you through uh, your exposure to um, the word in James. Um, so this morning, we're gonna kind of wrap up with the last couple verses. A number of years ago, when uh, Sharon and I lived in South Dakota, we worked at a boarding, boarding high, a Christian boarding high school. And um, we had just moved to South Dakota not long ago. <clears throat> and uh, I was uh, taught Bible and I was the chaplain. And we were having in the fall, we moved like in September basically. And that, later that month, we were having uh, a kind of a spiritual life emphasis week in, at, at, the, at the school. And so um, I, had, I had scheduled a friend of mine who Sherry and I knew through um, working at, different, at a Christian camp to come and speak, and so he was flying into Sioux Falls, um, which was two and a half hours from where we lived. That was how we, that's the airport that we would go to, and so, um, 
So basically, you take two roads to get to the airport, the road from the school and then the freeway, um, the one freeway that's in South Dakota. And so uh, pretty easy to get there. Um, wasn't super familiar with, with Sioux Falls or anything like that. Anyway, went, went, got to the airport, picked up my friend David, and uh, we got in the car, and we hadn't seen each other for a while. And so we were, you know, you know how you are. You catch up, and you're talking, and, you, and you're, you're kind of listening and all that. Get in the car, get back on the freeway. It was Monday afternoon, and uh, Sherry had, was, was getting dinner ready because we were going to go to our house and have dinner. And then we were going to start the first session that evening at the school. And so we started driving, and we're driving along. And at, like, the, the one-hour, 45-minute mark or the two-hour mark, um, that's about when you'd, you'd turn and go north that would go up to the school. And so we've been driving for like, you know, an hour and uh, almost two hours. And, and uh, as we were driving, you know how if you're distracted, you're, you know, you're focusing on one thing, but, but there's things that like kind of process that are around you. And I just remember that in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I, 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 things, are, things are more green than I, than I thought they were. And then I remember seeing on the other side of the freeway, uh, a, a, a state patrol car going the other way. And I was like, there's brown on that car. I don't remember South Dakota uh, state police officers' cars being having brown on them. And, and, then, and then I just, again, it didn't really register. And so we're driving along. And so David says to me, we see a sign and it says he, for Albert Lee. And he goes, hey, I've, I've spoken at a place in Albert Lee. I didn't know that was in South Dakota. And I was like, it's not. We had driven over two hours into Minnesota before we realized that we were going the wrong direction. And um, it, it was just, and so of course we turned around and so then we had like a four and a half hour drive back. Um, we made it back for the session, but, but it just, it was, it was one of those things where we had no idea that we were lost, that we were kind of wandering off of the path that we were actually supposed to be on. And, and I think this morning, as, as we, as we kind of look at James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it is easy for us, I think, to take what James says and apply it to a select group of people that we identify without recognizing how much James is talking about us in this passage. Kind of like myself and my friend David, as we were driving into Minnesota unknowingly, very often, I think we can be wandering away from Jesus and not even realizing it because it's subtle and it's hidden. So, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read uh, just the uh, first couple or the, the last two verses in, in James. It's interesting. James doesn't end his letter with kind of a, a benediction or, or like greeting people but he ends it with something very specific and we'll come back to why I think he ends it this way. But in verse 19, he says, my brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So, so here James, James says, and there's two things that James leaves us with at the end of his letter. And the first thing is this. Some, and I would even say probably many, will wander from the truth. Some will wander from the truth. He says, when someone wanders from the truth. And here's what's interesting. We are often surprised when someone that we've known or we've had a relationship wanders away from the truth of, of the Bible. 
we're surprised because we say things like, well, they, you know, they seemed so, uh, they seemed so strong. They seemed so on target. They, they, you know, and they impacted me in this way, but, but they, they seem to be going this direction that is away from Jesus and away from the truth that's revealed in God's word. And, and we're surprised. And oftentimes we're not only surprised, but we're also hurt. We're offended. And, and so it just becomes this big thing of, of, of this person wandering away from the truth. And the thing is, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Because actually, walking with Christ is difficult because of our own natures, because of who we are, because we have a struggle with sin and pride and, and, and all of those things and, and, and wanting our own comfort and wanting convenience. And so that's not actually that surprising. Wandering happens to all of us. And so what we need to remember, as James has described the people in the churches that he's been writing to, is that he's mentioned that not all people who claim to follow Jesus actually follow Jesus in truth. That there are those in our midst who may verbalize a commitment to Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily uh, translate or reflect internally. And, and it's really hard for us to determine those things because we don't see the heart God does. So really, as James talks about those who wander, he's talking about people who maybe claim to follow God but have, have, have actually never did. But also he's talking about people who do follow Jesus, who've committed themselves to Jesus, and they have started to wander. It doesn't really matter which category that is because there's just this wandering thing and there's this call to pursue those people, which we'll get to in a minute. But before we get there, the question is this, what does wandering look like? What does it look like to wander? And, and I think we have a fairly narrow view of what wandering looks like. There is intentional wandering. It's the flagrant sin that is exhibited in maybe belief or behavior. It's really obvious when someone believes something that, is, that, is, that does not correlate with the truth of Scripture. When someone begins to believe something that well, maybe it's cultural, maybe it's just a convenience, but, but to say, well, no, 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 I, I know that Scripture says this, but God doesn't really mean that, or he meant it in this way that is actually more convenient for me to live. And so those, those are very obvious ways to look at someone, who, to, to identify someone who's wandering when their belief doesn't actually match up with what is revealed in Scripture. And then there's the, the maybe uh, egregious behavior that is obviously against what God desires and has designed for our lives, and it's very obvious that this behavior is not what God calls you to and is so obviously and easily identified as sin. Oftentimes, we, we tend to live in that place where we identify people in that place. But see, there's, while there are intentional sin and flagrant obvious sin like that, there's also unintentional sin that we are not even, we have a really hard time recognizing in our own lives. For example, an example of wandering is kind of forgetting what it means to love God with all of us. Forgetting what it means and, and, and maybe missing the, 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 the point of really loving God with all of me, with my heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that my affections are divided with some other things. And maybe they're good things even. 
But then when people think of me, they don't think of me as in the context of, of really pursuing God, but pursuing God and being these things. And, and, and so there's this thing of want. Sometimes it's, it's, it's that slide, a person who's wandering is that slide and forgetting how to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's an example of wandering. And I say that because when Jesus is asked, what are, the, what are the most important things to get right? If I just get one thing right, what is the most important command in the entirety of Scripture? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if I get anything right, those are the things that I need to get right. And if I'm not getting those right, then I'm wandering. As James talks. Just as much, but maybe not as obviously as someone who is, whose behavior or beliefs are clearly anti-scripture. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe the wandering for you is you've lost touch on how to forgive. That it's difficult because, because in life, we get hurt all the time by other people. But whether you, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but forgiveness is actually fairly thematic in scripture. That forgiveness is, is, is kind of paramount because we wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus outside of him forgiving us of our sins. And, 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 so, and so when we lose touch with how to forgive others and when we hold things, that's the sign of a wanderer away from the truth. Or maybe it's that we just no longer recognize the Holy Spirit's presence and we don't depend on him for real from day to day. Maybe it's just that we don't begin with the Holy Spirit in our decisions and we begin with our own solid logic. That's wandering because, because Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a helper and he will teach you and guide you in all things. And maybe it's just simply that wandering, I think this is a huge one that we tend to dismiss all the time and we defend ourselves with, is that I'm definitely wandering away from the truth if I don't have an urgency for the lost. If I don't have an urgency for the lost, the lost are closest to the heart of Jesus himself and in the very much expressed mission of those who are in the kingdom of God. And so if I don't have an urgency for the lost, I'm wandering just as much as the person who's flagrantly sinning and, and, and proud about it. See, wandering from the truth is both easily identified and it is often hidden. Sometimes we don't even know that we're off track. We're going down the road far, far, far and we've lived much of our lives and we don't even realize that for much of that time we've been wandering around the truth, maybe in its general vicinity, and, 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 so, and, so, and so James begins by saying some of you will wander. Some will wander from the truth. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, he says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings, him back, brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. He says, and someone there in that fellowship, someone who is also a Jesus follower brings him back. So the first thing is this, that some will wander away from the truth. And the second thing is this, um, all are called to pursue the wandering. We are called to pursue the wandering. 
We're called to become the kind of people who are capable of pursuing the wandering. See, our mission, Jesus very specifically makes it. We really only have one mission in life, and that is to make disciples, period. Everything else is, is kind of those necessary things that we need to, to do and participate in, but primarily we are called to make disciples. In fact, Jesus' primary way of evaluating his church is whether or not we are making disciples. And it's not just teaching people to do things a certain way. It's actually discipling people to the word of God and to the character of Jesus, not to what resembles us. Not to make clones of us, but to draw people to Jesus. And it's, and oftentimes it is easy to dismiss people who choose to walk away or turn away. You see, discipleship is active for both the one discipling and the, those being discipled. It's kind of easy to look and say, well, you know, I, I, did, I did what I can. I can't control anybody else. And, you know, they decided they weren't interested in this anymore. And they, they decided to walk away. You see, part of discipleship is that person who's discipling to pursue the person who they're discipling. And really, James's message in his, in his letter is that we personally pursue a closer relationship with Jesus. And at the same time, we bring others closer to Jesus as we go. And so he says, and, and just let people know that anyone who brings back a wanderer, that, that's, that's, part of, that's part of what you do. That's part of, that's not, a, that's not a, do we decide to go after or do we, is that just what we do? And he says, that's what we do. And, and what's interesting is that he says that, that they bring them back. The problem is that we have all kinds of ideas on how we will bring back people because oftentimes there's so much of ourselves, our own hurt, our own desires, our own pride and arrogance when we go after people who've wandered. And, and so really in Galatians 6, Paul gives a really, really clear, clear outline of what restoration is within the church. He says in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and again, transgression, sin is wandering away from Jesus, wandering away from the truth, wandering away from the mission that God has called us on. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think there's five very simple things that, that, that Paul warns us and instructs us in the process of bringing someone back of restoration. Number one is that we have to identify sin. He says, he says if anyone is caught in, any, in a transgression, it's to be, a, be able to identify sin. And as I said, there's some sin that's really easy to identify. It's really easy to see because it's just egregious. It's, it's out there. It's obvious. But you see, we have to be able to identify the sin in our lives that is more under the current, under the radar. It might be that we've gotten so consumed in ourselves and forgotten and don't have an urgency for the lost. We might be okay with lost people getting saved, but we don't have an urgency to actually live a life that would be influential to lost people. And so, and so the first thing is that, that, that we need to be able to identify sin. And the second thing 
that, that Paul says, and this is before we even go and talk to that person where we've maybe identified sin, is he said, those who are spiritually mature. In other words, confirm that you are spiritually mature. And just because I say I'm spiritually mature doesn't mean I'm spiritually mature. My spiritual maturity will be experienced and evaluated by the people who I come in contact with. Just because I say I'm mature or I've been in the church for a long time doesn't mean that I'm actually mature and have, have the discernment that God calls me to have. And so he says, confirm that you're spiritually mature because you see, if we're not spiritually mature, the going and bringing back might be all about me and not about Jesus. And, and so then he says, he talks about the posture. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. In other words, he calls us to go in a disposition of gentleness and humility. When I go to bring a wanderer back, I go in a spirit, a disposition of gentleness and humility. That's, that's the posture that I take in pursuing others. And then he says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. He warns, be aware, have an awareness of risk. Have an awareness of risk. Know that even, and probably those who are spiritually mature know this more than those who are immature, is that I am vulnerable to falling into sin. It could be the same exact sin. It could be another whole sin. And so he says, be aware of the risk. Make sure you know that you are not, you are not the savior coming in to save. You are a servant coming in to represent. And that there's always the temptation of the servant to take what the master gives them for themselves. So that's, I think, why Paul says, be really careful lest you too be tempted. And the last thing, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, it's gotta be immersed in love. Bear each other's burdens, care for one another in the process of bringing the wanderer back. And he says, so fulfill the law of Christ. What does Jesus say the law of Christ is? He, the law of Christ is, is the law of love that is fulfilled from the Old Testament to the New Testament and in the person, in the ministry, and the work of Christ Jesus. So the question is, does this look like how we tend to treat and pursue the wandering? Maybe, but if you were able to sit down with people who've walked away from the truth and, and maybe now, maybe they're in a place where they say, you know, I, I mean, I, I, still, I, I, I still think God exists. I think Jesus is cool. But I just, I'm not gonna do the whole, I'm not gonna do the whole thing. I'm not gonna be in, in community. I'm not gonna be in church. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna be part of this body. And that they've walked away from the truth and they could part of it and they've said, you know, and, 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 and there's some things that maybe you hold in scripture that seem clear, but I just don't think that's true. If, we were be, if, I was able, if you were able to sit down with them and say, hey, so the people from the, the kingdom who pursued you to bring you back, what was your experience with them? Would those people say, oh yeah, well, 
I think the thing that I remember most about the people who tried to come and correct me was that they were gentle and humble. Maybe. But I think if, if we really were honest and we actually listened to those people, I think gentleness and humility wouldn't be some of the first things they would describe of those who pursued them in their sin and in their wandering and in their departure from truth. You see, often I think we use worldly tactics to identify and confront those who wander from the truth of God and in doing so, we actually become wanderers ourselves. If we are employing worldly tactics, then we are wandering. That's part of the problem. And, and so James says, James says, okay, so, so, so here's, here's the benefit. Here's, here's what we're going for is that, that, that if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's interesting, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of debate of, you know, what is James talking about here? Well, what we know is James has talked about there are some in the church who don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. They don't have salvation. And so there's some that, that hear the truth and they abide by the truth for a while, but then they kind of wander away. So if, the, if that's the case, then pursuing them and bringing them back, maybe that's an opportunity where they experience real salvation for the first time. But there's also those in the church, as James has described, who wander, who do have a relationship with Jesus, but they have wandered away. We all wander. I think that's one of the, one of the, 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 hymn, the lines in the hymn that sticks out to me, prone to wander. <laughs> it's such an accurate statement. And so maybe this is a describing a, a, a believer choosing to live a destructive, harmful, and painful life by departing from the truth of God. Maybe this is someone who really is in danger of spiritually, the spiritual death and being separated from God forever. Either way, there's this element of salvation for that person, whether it is in, in the, the, the lifestyle that they're living and they're submitting and surrendering to the truth of God or that, that maybe they do meet Jesus. And, and so either way, there's this element of salvation. Then he says it will cover a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12 says, says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. You see, God is always eager and willing to forgive sins when repentance is shown. First Peter chapter 4, 8 says this, above all, keep loving one, one another earnestly. No qualifier. Love each other earnestly, regardless if you've disappointed each other, if you've upset each other, if you disagree with each other. Love each other earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Psalm 32, 1, David writes, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And here's what, here's what we need to hear. Here's what we need to recognize in this as we talk about restoration and bringing back those who wander. When we pursue the wandering, we get to participate in God's process of forgiveness. When, when, when we pursue the wandering, we get to participate in God's process of forgiveness. 
And I think it's important to recognize that this is God's process, not my process. Because it's so easy to hijack God's process. And, and when you think about this, this idea that it's, it's participation in God's process, oftentimes when we go to pursue someone who's wandered or turned away that we think from the truth, we see that as such a sacrificial act on our part. We just have to do all this investment. And, you know, I've met with them a number of times and they just haven't budged. You know, I'm just, I'm just wondering how much longer that I, I keep the door open. Is an invitation to participate in the process of God's forgiveness, is that a burden that we bear begrudgingly? Or is the invitation to participate in God's forgiveness something even though it might be hard, even though it may take investment, even though it may take time and energy that we would rather spend on other things, is that something that would result in greater joy than anything else that we can do? So as we, as we talked this morning about this idea of, 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 of the wandering and, the, and, and pursuing and, and how we sometimes unknowingly wander. There's this theme in James about the value of people and the importance of people. That's what it kind of all comes down to. And we've got a cool opportunity this weekend because um, we've got a friend who's, who's visiting us. Um, and I'm gonna invite Julie to come on up right now. Um, Julie uh, works with FAI. Um, you'll remember uh, Jeff and Jesse who shared uh, a number of months ago. Um, Julie actually serves and works in a, a Middle Eastern country. Uh, and uh, she's here for, for a little bit of time. And so we've been kind of hanging out this weekend. And um, I, I've, I've asked her to join us and, and share a little bit about what, what she's doing, the ministry, and talk a little bit about, about what God is doing out there. So let's welcome Julie this morning um, to our stage. So just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about um, the ministry that you're doing. And again, we're kind of talking a little bit in broad strokes this morning because uh, that is for safety and security purposes because of uh, what she's doing and where she's working. Um, we're not going to give any specific details uh, because of the work that's going on and that it is in a, in a Middle Eastern country. Uh, first of all, it's just, it's an honor for me to be here. Um, I've spent the weekend with some of the staff and gotten to meet and talk with some of them. And really, I mean, you guys already know this, but I want to remind you that their hearts for you guys and their hearts for the Lord and the gospel is just amazing. It is, is so great and so refreshing to be around people like that. So um, just wanted to honor them uh, before I start. But uh, my name is Julie. I work with FAI, Frontier Alliance International, in, uh, one of, on one of the teams that we have in the Middle East. Uh, so my team does a lot, um, does just kind of whatever we can to build relationships with the people group that we're working with and so far, the doors that God has opened and really uh, given us favor in have been through medical avenues and also through some sports ministry. Uh, so the team that I help lead 
um, does a lot of work in like rural clinics where they don't have uh, full-time doctors coming through, so they just go in and see patients that otherwise would have to drive like an hour, hour and a half, two hours to get medical attention. And then we have a couple coaches from Latin America who teach soccer to some of the kids in our um, area in a neighboring village. And through that, we've just really seen how God has um, just opened doors to people's hearts to build that relationship unto sharing uh, the gospel um, with them. And it's just been a, a really, a really great thing. Um, I've been there with the team now about three years. The team has been there a little bit longer than that. Uh, but just so many awesome ways that God has worked uh, through uh, just, you know, having a presence there and, and building relationships. So, Cool. Very cool. Um, so... So one of the things that obviously everyone's been affected by is, is the pandemic and um, thinking about what we were talking about the other night and, and shared earlier today, um, going through the pandemic, what, what doors has God opened primarily because of the pandemic in the ministry in, in the country that you work in yeah. with? Yeah, so the beginning um, when all the restrictions happened, we had lockdown and everything, our team was um, praying and kind of talking about what we could do uh, because we primarily would go out uh, into some neighboring villages, rural clinics and stuff, and, and all those doors had been temporarily closed. So uh, we were like, well, what if we offer to go into people's homes and provide medical care at home for those who can't get to a doctor? Um, so we're like, well, it's worth a shot. You know, we have good relationship with the local health directory. Um, so we went to them and we're like, hey, we have this idea. Um, you know, what do you think about it? So at first the guy uh, was just kind of like, he was quiet, didn't really say anything. I was like, oh boy, like, what's he gonna say? You know, he's probably gonna be like, no, we don't want you to go out. You know, it's too dangerous, things like that. And then he just kind of looked at us and he's like, who's been talking to you about this? And me and my co-leader were like, kind of laughed. And we're like, God, you know? I mean, what else do you want us to say? <laughs> we've been talking, we've been praying. Um, and he's like, uh, just yesterday, a group of, of local paramedics and medics have approached me with this same idea. They said, we wanna start going into people's homes and provide in-home medical care, but we don't have any doctors. Can you talk with, to FAI and see if their doctors can help us? Um, so we're like, well, I think God is on this. So we started doing that, um, which, just to give a little bit of context, is something we had been thinking about before and kind of praying into because there's nothing like being able to go into somebody's home, mm -hmm. you know, uh, regularly to build that connection and to build that trust. But up until this time, um, the connotation with us, if we would have tried to push that way, would have been um, kind of a threat and people would have kind of been taken back, like, what's your game? You know, mm -hmm. we know you're not, you don't share some of our beliefs. Like, why do you want to do this? Um, so that was just like the door just completely opened for us, again, in God's timing. And actually through that, um, we ended up meeting a couple families who had some kids with disabilities. And unfortunately, the context that we're in, they really have a lack of education, a lack of proper perspective on what it means um, when your kid has a disability and kind of how to help them. So there's not a lot of resources or support. Uh, so that's another thing that had really been on our hearts to do is engage with those families, but again, um, we couldn't do that, we couldn't push for it until they saw the value of it. So when our doctors started going into some of those homes and, and started connecting with some of those families who had kids with disabilities, all of a sudden yeah. that door led to another family who had kids with disabilities and that led to another family who had dis kids with disabilities and all of a sudden um, we have all these families um, who have kids with disabilities who we're now going to week after week and even now that uh, restrictions have lifted and we've kind of gotten back to um, the schedule that we had before COVID, the health department has actually seen the value in that to where they're like, we wanna keep 
we want you guys to continue doing this. So we have doctors, a team that goes in about twice a week to different families with, um, with kids with disabilities and working with them, physical therapy, things like that, to where it's just, it's blown open another door, um, another point of access that we had been praying into before. Yeah, and, and just to think about what, think about what you're hearing that, that God is doing is that it was impossible for them to go into homes in the, in the, in where they are and to be able to go, and even as medical professionals, as doctors, go into homes and serve these people. Yet in the midst of the pandemic, that's how God opened the doors to the point where God spoke to the health officials who, who do, not, do not recognize Jesus, who, who are not believers by any means, and that, that they were going to ask them and that God paved the way and that through their prayer and seeking through the Holy Spirit chose to take a risk and go and ask and that the way was already paved for them. Like what an incredible thing that God did in the midst of an opportunity that so many people saw as, as, as more of an inconvenience or something that meddled in our lives where God called it an opportunity to actually get his, his people and his witness into people's homes. Um, and that, a, that, a, that an Islamic health department would put their stamp on. Like, that's just incredible, that's awesome. Now, you said that you've been there for three years. Um, FAI's been there for maybe five or six years. Um, and, and you... And again, when we, when we think about this, we think about, you know, we hope for like just massive revival and, 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 and conversion. And um, there are some difficulties and some hurdles for that um, as you guys continue to persevere. And you've not really seen a lot of conversions, but you've worked through relationships. And obviously, God is working in a powerful way. So share with us a little bit about just... Just this idea of, of, of uh, just continuing to pursue these people in the midst of having to be patient and persevere and continue to pray as God opens doors and uh, just kind of how that, you know, how you see that, how that's going. And Yeah. yeah. Um, when I first went over to the Middle East, I had already, you know, been familiar with stories of the underground church and things like that. And I was ready to land and be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to see this big move, you know, and people are just going to have radical encounters with you. Um, and so starting to work just, and the longer I, I was there, the more I realized there's a lot of layers to things and stuff. And I started getting discouraged because I'm like, Lord, don't you want this to happen? Like, why is it not happening? Why am I not, you know, meeting people who have had all these dreams, all these like encounters with you and stuff. Um, and he really started speaking to me and then also to our team about how, um, you know, the reality of what Paul says, some sow, some water, but the Lord brings the increase. Um, and most of us hear that and we're like, yeah, that's great. Like, we can go with that. But what if God's calling you to sow and you don't see the increase yet, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so he started really, um, really ingraining that into us and being like, look, like, I want you to sow and prepare the ground um, and lay that foundation to where there will be um, that opportunity, that mm -hmm. ability for, for people to have those um, encounters with me and to see the move of God there. But it's necessary to sow and to sow a lot and to pursue. And it kind of came back to this. Um, for me, especially I, as I was praying and, and kind of wrestling through that, is all of a sudden it was like, okay, wait, is this about me or is it about God? 
And if I really believe that it's about God, I'll be happy to sow for years and years and years, knowing that I'm where God wants me to be, even though I'm not seeing the kind of fruit that I wanna see. Um, but if I have something in me that's like, well, I wanna see that, um, so I'm gonna go somewhere where I can see that, then really I've made it about me and not about mm -hmm. God. And he's been just really, again, reminding us how valuable people are, how much it is worth pursuing people, like Pastor Matt was sharing this morning about pursuing on those who wander. Like, he's done that for us. He's, you know, moved heaven and earth to, to encounter us and to pursue us. Um, so when he's calling us to pursue somebody, like, let's go for it, even if we don't see the result that we wanna see within the time frame, you know, that we want. But people are worth it, you know? And that's really been the heart behind what we're doing is like, okay, you know what? God loves these people and he sees them for, for who he's made them. Like, let's go after them. Um, let's like show them the love of Christ. Um, let's be praying for them, even if we don't see the kind of fruit that we wanna see um, mm -hmm. in our time there. Yeah, yeah, um, that's really awesome. I, I wanna, um, before you go, I want uh, us to pray for you. Um, and the thing, something that, you know, I mean, that idea, just what she shared about, it's so easy to make things about us. It's so easy to do things in, in our way and in our strength and that which benefits us. You, th you think about, um, again, this idea of, of, of pursuing those who are wandering or who are just simply lost. Um, sometimes we pursue people and in our pursuit, one of our goals is to make ourselves feel better because maybe they've hurt us or they've disappointed us. And so we need to make sure that's part of what they, what they confess as we pursue them. And I think, you know, what Julie said and what you said, just, I mean, even the idea of you saying, um, maybe I should go somewhere where these other things are happening because that would, that would be more exciting for me. Um, man, what, what a thing that we do. And I mean, when I think about that, like, isn't that a form of wandering when we decide to only go where God where we feel best about ourselves, where we feel like we're made the most of. That's, I mean, that's about as wandering as, as, as that can be defined. And so, so I, I would love for you guys to just stand right now. And I'm gonna pray for Julie. And um, I would ask you, kind of like we did for, for the baby dedications, if you just stretch out your hand. And um, I wanna pray for her and the ministry that they're in. You know, one of the things that, that, that she had mentioned a while ago um, this, past, this weekend to me is that... Um, some of their doctors who love Jesus and are there because he's called them to be there, they have served the enemy in that region, in that place, in that context. In the midst of wars and skirmishes and all of that, they've actually gone and served people on the other side. And, and I think that's why it's so important to see that this is about Jesus because, because even that person who was an aggressor, was someone who needed Jesus. And, and the, the doctors and the ministry that there, they served them. And in that moment, before they went back to probably back to the cycles that they were already involved in, what can happen in that moment of, of, of visibly showing the love and compassion of Jesus to that person? And so I wanna pray for her as, and, and her team as they continue to minister there and that God would give them favor. So let's just extend our arms and, and let's pray for her. Father, we come before you this morning and God, I thank you so much for Julie and I thank you for how you've been using her in the Middle East. Um, God, I, I, I pray 
that you would continue to call them to prayer, that they would lead out um, very much only in the power and the presence and with the permission of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would hear your voice clearly. Father, I pray that they would continue to, to, to move forward without making this about them in God, that they would simply follow the path that you have, have led them in. God, I thank you so much for preparing the soil of even the health officials to open houses and, and to get your love and your hope and your light and your truth into homes that are the, 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 the least of these, the homes of families with children with disabilities who are discarded and even um, ignored and they, they pretended that they don't even exist in this culture. And so, Father, I thank you for what you're doing and how, you've, how they are obediently walking through those doors. God, I pray for Julie that you would protect her and give her perseverance along with her team. God, that, that, that whatever comes their way, that they would endure. Father, that, that whatever you need to do, that they would be strengthened in the power and the love of Jesus and then the Holy Spirit, that they would be able to stick with it even when it's difficult, even when it's um, disappointing, even when there's barriers, Father. And I pray that they would see through your eyes the events that happen around them, not as interruptions or difficulties, but they would see them as opportunities and miraculous events that open doors that couldn't be opened otherwise. And so God, I thank you that she was willing to share with us today. I thank you for her commitment and her love and her growth and transformation in you. And so Father, I pray that you would strengthen her in her inner person and through the power of the Holy Spirit so that she would be able to, to carry out the the. the the desires that you have for her and the desires that you have for the people in that place, in that region. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you can have a seat. Yeah. So as we, as we close this morning, um, what matters? And you've heard from Julie and you've heard from James. I think what we need to recognize, and, and, and this is where, I think this is where it, it makes this division, this line between those who are wandering and those who are following Jesus. What matters in God's kingdom is any individual being a person who bears the image of God is more important than anything else. People are what matters. And, and, and we, we are so cause and ideal, ideologically focused today. We're so divided through all of these things. You see, the person who has surrendered their life to Jesus has to walk in that tension of sacrificial love, denying ourselves and carrying the cross. And understand that I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to pursue a cause or to subscribe to an ideology, but we must be certain that in doing so, we do not lose sight of the mission that we, through the power of the Spirit, pursue people's salvation and transformation. And, 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 and the, the thing is, it's so easy for us. See, we can't just say that we care about people. We can't just say that. That is evidenced in how we engage people, how we talk, the things that we spend our money on, the way that we behave with other people. 
that, that betrays whether or not we really believe that those who bear God's image are the most important thing. And so this morning, I guess I just want to close with these, these two questions. And one is, um, are you wandering today? Maybe today you realize that you've been wandering and you had no idea. You see, some of us, maybe, maybe some of us here today are kind of like, oh, I know I've been wandering. I know that I've, I've been kind of pushing this stuff off and, 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 and justifying for my own comfort or convenience or my own protection, and I've been pushing this off, but I realize, I, I recognize that the Holy Spirit is meeting me here this morning and that I'm wandering. Some of us maybe this morning didn't even realize it, but we recognize it. Man, I have no urgency for the lost. Or maybe you, you, you realize this morning that maybe you've kind of forgotten, it slipped, that you don't really have love for neighbor. And so the question is this morning, are you wandering? And so, so really, what am I gonna do with that if I've recognized that I'm wandering? My challenge to you this morning is, is, is don't leave here before if you have, if the spirit has revealed that you are wandering right now on any level, at least verbalize that to somebody before you go, at the very least. And, and then move forward by, by saying, okay, what am I gonna do? How do I grow in this? What do I need to be exposed to? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to surrender so that I stop wandering? The second question is this. Do you know someone who's wandering? I think every one of us has, has people in our life who we can identify are wandering. And, 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 and so, so really, one, are you pursuing them? Are you pursuing them at all? And secondly, if you are, are you pursuing them with your methods or the way God calls you to pursue them? If, 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 if I could ask them, hey, I know so-and-so keeps you know, talking to you and they're, they're continuing to reach out to you, would they describe you as gentle and humble or demanding and condemning? How would they describe your pursuit? So this morning, as we see these last couple things in James, it's interesting, again, that he doesn't give some kind of benediction or says, greet these different people who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. But he leaves his letter with this. People are our greatest pursuit for the gospel of Jesus. Salvation of people above everything else. Don't waste your life by building a kingdom, by finding comfort, by jumping into an ideology. But make sure that people are the most important thing, whether they're wanderers, whether they're lost, whether they are the examples to follow in pursuing Jesus. But it's people that matter. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come up. And if you need prayer this morning, I would encourage you to come forward. If you're with us online this morning, if you email prayer at cpmodesto.org, um, someone will get back with you today and would love to pray with you. Father, we come before you this morning and I thank you so much for your, for the work that you do, God, the work that you surprise us with, the work that we think is impossible, but you do anyway. 
oftentimes in a context that we hate. Father, I, I thank you for, for your word, God, that, that you did all that you could possibly do to bring us forgiveness and salvation and transformation and, and an eternity uh, present with you. Father, I pray that, that we would take that same mentality and that that would characterize and define us as we pursue those who are lost and wandering. God, that we would be aware of our own wandering, that we are so prone to wander. That, God, we would stop just focusing on the obvious, but also recognize the discreet. That, God, we would see those things in ourselves. That, God, James isn't just talking to a small group of people who we've identified as traitors to the faith, but, God, that James is speaking to most of us in our struggle to surrender to the will and the kingdom of God in this lifetime. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing far away and near here at home. God, I pray that we would today and every day recognize that it is not about us, but it is about people finding salvation and forgiveness and inclusion into the kingdom of God. And that, God, we would be focused on that in the midst of all the other distractions around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. 